everyone, this is GW and welcome to Watch Your Story. And today is a very special guest, it's uh, Todd Shoemaker. Welcome Todd to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, I appreciate it. So we're going to have Todd go in and tell um, his story and, and I think you'll really want to listen. Well GW, thank you once again for having me. Uh, my story, you know, I was born and raised in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, native, my wife's a native, and pretty, ch pretty normal childhood uh, for the most part. Uh, playing sports, hanging out with friends. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I came to know Christ. Mm -hmm. And I was baptized on Mother's Day. Wow. And a lot of that was because my older brother was baptized on Mother's Day. I know my relationship with Christ was real, but it wasn't until probably 18 that I realized, no, I need to, I need to get baptized again because I didn't really understand it. Nobody explained it to me what that really meant. So I felt God calling me to get rebaptized so I could know the real feeling of what that, you know, because for me it was just, oh yeah, I got dunked, mm -hmm. you know, and that was it. But as I read scripture, and as I became closer to Christ during college, God's like, you gotta, you gotta get rebaptized. So, you know, like most Christians, you know, from 10 to 18, 19 was kind of uh, up and down. You know, you get in, I'm getting into high school. There's girls. Girls are more attractive than than Jesus at that point. Uh, but I was blessed that uh, I just always had Christian friends around me mm -hmm. and they never judged me and I never felt like well I don't want to be I don't want to go into that and I always knew that God had his hand on my life because there would be moments I would go to get in the car or I would uh, somebody would invite me to a party and I'd just about walk into the house and I would feel something say no don't back out like don't go in and there would end up being a fight or something going on. So I always knew God was in my life. I just wasn't living the life that he wanted me. I was on the fence. Okay. And praise God when, uh, well, when I was in college, I had three roommates who used to actually pray over my bed while I was gone. And hmm. when I'd come in, I'd always feel like, hey, what, let's, like, why does my bed feel so weird? You know, but when I rededicated my life, to Christ, they were like, yeah, we've been praying over your bed. Every time you go, you'd go out. You know, so those were the kind of people that God had brought into my life. And, you know, I don't come, you know, growing up, you know, we got dropped, my brother and I got dropped off at church. You know, parents weren't going to church. It got dropped off. And my parents uh, know God, you know, they love God, but church just was not part of their, you know, so we didn't grow up in that except being dropped off. But, as I get deeper in my faith, God just continues to show me. I mean, I remember getting saved at 10, and I remember going, hey, can I go to seminary? And I remember checking with seminaries to see if I could go, and they're like, well, you actually kind of have to graduate high school first, and you gotta go to college and stuff. But God just always had that calling on my life, and even when I wasn't totally living for Him, He never took that calling off. And so, you know, cause in college, I uh, went into, uh, after work, after college, I actually, my major is in speech communications and a double major in theater. 
So most people think, oh, you did something with that. No, I ended up spending 25 years working in juvenile justice, uh, working with teens uh, in various inpatient, outpatient, uh, but the speech and communications and the theater skills really helped with that because I could relate to some of the stuff they were going through, even though I had never went through any of that myself, I could use the skills that I learned, okay. you know. So it really wasn't, you know, sometimes people go, well, you didn't use your degree. And I'm like, well, not in the way, not in the way normal people used it, but God used those skills that I learned uh, to be able to do that. So. 1999, January of 1999, I met my bride, uh, and we met in January, and we're married by September of the same year, and uh, we just celebrated 22 years of marriage. Mm -hmm. And you know, you go into marriage, and you got these dreams, you got these hopes, you're you want to do these trips together, you want to make these memories together, and we were doing that. And in 2002, I had the opportunity to go to New York City right after, you know, a year after 9/11 and minister to just people in the city who were just still hurting and just still, you know, their life had been destroyed in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And when I got up there, God called me to fast. And I thought, oh yeah, I can fast, you know, breakfast. And God said, no, all week. So I had never fasted for a week, fasted mm -hmm. here and there. And so when I got home, you know, I told my wife, I said, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really understand why I fasted. And she said, well, you know, God will, you know, God will share that with you and reveal that to you at some time. So that summer was just a busy summer, just one trip after another, one event after another. And I was just tired. And so I just, I said, you know, I'm just going to rest. Rest, you know, three months later, I'm still just really tired as we were going into the fall. And so finally my wife said, well, let's go, let's have you see the doctor just to make sure there's nothing serious going on. And at that point they diagnosed me with multiple uh, crippling, uh, uh, versions of crippling arthritis. Uh, I mean, I'd never heard of some of these different arthritis things that they were talking about. And they're like, your case is so serious that you'll probably be in a wheelchair within five years. And I thought, really, like arthritis? Like, I'm um, like, in my mid thirties. Hmm. And, you know, that was just, that was the season of going through a lot of experimental medications, uh, just not knowing what the future held. And, you know, so all these hopes and dreams all of a sudden were like, kind of put on hold. Uh -huh. uh, but the one thing that God did during that time was, God always had me continue to serve, even though it was getting rougher to try to work and then go serve, God kept saying, you got to serve, you got to serve, I'm going to get you through this. A year later, um, I found out that I really didn't have arthritis, arthritis I had, that they thought I had, uh, I really had cancer. And oh, the wow. cancer I had masked itself sometimes as cancer, I mean as arthritis. And uh, so that hits you, you know, like 30 years, you know, mid-30s, and you're like, yeah, you got a major tumor sitting inside your chest. And so that just, that kind of stops your whole, your whole world. But what was so interesting about that was during my biopsy, uh, after they'd got done that night at one o'clock in the morning, God said, remember when you fasted last year and you didn't know why? 
this is why you fasted. I was preparing you for this very moment and I'm going to get you through this. Wow. I'm going to be by your side, you know, because you were obedient, you know, that, you know, and everything in our walk, as you know, is us being obedient, making the choice mm -hmm. to be obedient or not to be obedient. Yes. And he said, because you were obedient and fasting, I'm going to be obedient in walking you through this. So I thought to myself, nah, I'll be sick for a little while and no big deal. So a few weeks mm -hmm. later, I had open heart surgery uh, to take the tumor out. And during that time, I had a vision that I would, that God wanted me to start running marathons and share the gospel. Well, I ran cross country in high school, but that had been many years. At that point, I had not really run at all. And my wife's like, God's calling you to run? Like, you don't run. And I said, that's what he's calling me. So four months later, I, I started running after surgery and ran my first marathon a year later. And I thought, hey, you know, I got a testimony now to share, you know, more of a testimony to share. Uh, and God got us through this. And, you know, we thought, hey, life's back on track, you know, back on track the way that we thought mm -hmm. it should be on track, yeah. you know, but God had different plans. So from, you know, from 2002 with that first diagnosis, I went through a season of 17 and a half years of uh, being diagnosed with Parkinson's a few years after that, being diagnosed with myasthenia gravis, which eats all your muscles away. Uh, mm -hmm. Finally diagnosed with gastroparesis, which your ability to eat stops because your stomach muscles are paralyzed. So oh, wow. food can't go anywhere. So, you know, but during that season, so it's so crazy because in 2009, I had been doing fairly well. Yes, I'd been diagnosed with Parkinson's, but I was doing well with that. 2009, uh, my wife had to rush me to the ER and they had never done this before, but they pulled Laura out of the room and they're talking to her and my sister and I can see that they're both visibly upset and I'm like, well, like what's going on? Like, why aren't they, why aren't they talking to me? So when they came back in, they said, Ty, we don't know how to tell you this, but you probably have less than 24 hours left to live. Wow. So the thing that I always, the question that Laura and I always get is, can you write down the prayer that you guys prayed that night? Because I've got somebody that's sick. I, you know, my, my grandma needs that prayer. And I said, God didn't have me pray that night. I said, all he did was say, Todd, don't ever look sick or act sick. And when I mentioned that to my wife and my sister, my wife was like, well, you know, he's on morphine right now. So, mm -hmm. but I woke up the next morning. Okay, well, you won't make it through the weekend. 22 days later, walked out of ICU, but that night when he said, don't look sick or act sick, I thought, well, what does that mean? And it just, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'm, maybe it was the meds. But from 2009 until 2019, I averaged 150 to 200 days a year in the hospital. Wow. And as 2009 is rolling along and it's one hospital visit after another and it's, it's traveling to hospitals across the country to figure out what's going on. I said, one night, one o'clock in the morning, which became God and I's time, I said, God, I gotta have purpose. Like if I've gotta walk this journey, if you want me to walk this journey, I've gotta have purpose. And he said, well, I've given you your purpose. 
You used to run just for miles. Now you're running after souls. And during this time, you're gonna, people are going to come to you. You're not going to have to even go to them. So from 2009 until 2019, with all the hospital visits, all the doctor's appointments, all the treatments, people would, when I would walk into a room, they would always be looking around and they'd say, well, where's the patient? And I said, well, I'm the patient. And they said, yeah, but you don't look sick. And I'd go, well, let me tell you about that. So in that 10-year period, I had the chance to share the gospel with over a thousand people. Now, not every one of them came to know Christ, you know, but I had the chance based on not looking sick or acting sick. Now, towards the end, I really did look sick, but I never, I never took that look on inside here. Mm-hmm. May have physically outside looked sick, but inside I was still that runner, still running, still running the race that God had set before me. And what's, you know, so one of the things I would share with whoever is going to be seeing this is find your purpose during the storm. Because if you find your purpose during the storm, then you find your peace in the storm. And that, you know, obviously you still may be sick. You still still may be going through the struggles. But when you have that peace that that you know, you know, you know about that peace that only God can give us. Yes. That gets you through those days where you're just like, I don't, I don't feel like going on. Like, mm-hmm. just take me home. And I mean, there were many times that I was just like, especially towards the end of, of me dealing with these health issues, that I was just ready. I mean, I was physically mm-hmm. beat up. I weighed 112 pounds. I couldn't speak. I couldn't eat. Wow. And, but every year from 2009 until 2019, when God blessed me with a beautiful miracle, he still said every year go buy a new pair of running shoes. And I first I was like, why am I why am I buying these shoes? You know, but God kept saying, keep buying the shoes because when you get your miracle, I want you to be prepared. And I want you to wear those shoes when you're at the doctor's offices. I want you to wear those shoes when you're in treatment. I want you to wear those shoes when you're in the hospital because that is gonna bring hope to those that see you, because they're gonna go, what's with the running shoes? I'm just getting ready for the miracle. And the great thing about, the one thing also that I'd wanna encourage who's ever listening to this is start living your miracle out before your miracle manifests itself. Because so many times we're praying for the miracle, we're praying for the miracle, and when we get the miracle, hey, it's great. Sometimes people don't get that miracle here on earth. They get that miracle healing in heaven but if we can learn to live out that miracle here on earth when you're going through whatever storm it is it doesn't have to be just a health issue it gets you through those it's once again having that peace and knowing that god is going to do the healing Mm -hmm. uh we just don't know in what way he's going to do that but just i mean every morning for 17 and a half years i go okay today's the day god today's the day i get my healing didn't come for 17 and a half years. But the lessons learned during that time, I, you know, people always say, hey, if you, want, if you could do a do-over, would you do a do-over? And I'm like, no, there's just no way. I mean, my wife and I grew so much uh, individually, but so much together. Like we, we didn't, you know, we, we don't fight over the small things. Like if I leave the cap off the toothpaste, 
it's not a big deal because guess what? I woke up, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, literally there were days that my wife had to nudge me to see if I was actually still alive, Wow. you know? So that's my encouragement too. When you're going through your journey, don't sweat the small stuff. Like look to God and say, you know, this story is your story. Like the story that we're talking about is not my story. I did nothing but I showed up at a tent meeting mm-hmm. on November 3rd of, of 2019. This is a God story and that's what uh, my wife and I always want to get across to people when they say, you know, when they want to boost us up, we're like, mm-hmm. no, let's boost Jesus up because yes. all we did was just be obedient during those 17 and a half years. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't always easy. Uh, there were rough times. I mean, there were times where we're just like, okay, how many, how many diagnoses can one person have? Uh, but God just kept using each of those, you know, each of those diagnoses to bring a different audience, mm-hmm. you know, because I could relate to the cancer patient because I'd went through it. I could relate to the Parkinson's patient because I was going through it. I could relate to the myasthenia gravis because I was going through it. So everything that God allows us to go through, and, and I have to clarify too, God allows us to go through this stuff. God didn't give me cancer. God didn't give me Parkinson's. God didn't give me all these illnesses, but he chose me to walk that journey. And sometimes you wonder why am I walking the journey, but that's being in prayer and saying, God, give me, you know, give me the pur- show me the purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, because we all want purpose. Whether we're a believer or not, everybody in life wants purpose. So if you can have that purpose, especially as a believer, that just makes your testimony stronger. That just makes your walk stronger because, you know, you're not walking around, you know. I mean, we all know how we were before we came to know Christ. We were kind of walking around life without a compass, Mm -hmm. you know, and Jesus is our compass. And if we keep our eyes on the compass, then he directs our paths. Yes. That's awesome. And also the people that it touched during this journey, because you were in the hospital for 17 years, and I had heard you say that some of the people that had maybe had got married, they had had children. Right, yeah. Yeah, my nurses and my medical staff, I mean, they became became family. It wasn't like, oh, that's just my doctor. Oh, that's just one of my nurses. I mean, they literally became family because, I mean, some, some months I spent more time with them than I did at home, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I mean, some nurses, first day they started, boom, I was in the hospital. First day, you know, when they got married, boom, you know, they had children, mm-hmm. they went through divorce, they lost family members. You know, I lost some nurses, you know, mm-hmm. to health issues uh, over the years, but it became a family. And the one thing I encourage people too that are going through any storm is surround yourself with people who really truly want to walk that journey with you, who God has brought into your life, you know, because the beginning, my circle was really big. If I go back to 2002, 2003, like my circle was huge. But over the years, people started dropping off because, well, we don't want to see Todd die. Like we don't, we don't want to walk through that. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, and it's nothing about them, 
it's just the fact that they just couldn't handle watching me die because I mean here I am you know 150 pounds you know running two or three marathons a week to I can't get out of a chair without somebody helping me you know if I fall I can't get back up on my own mm -hmm. you know so you know and we've all we've all had to walk through that with a loved one a friend you know but you know when you're in your 30s and your 40s and you're walking through that it's a, it's a little bit it's a little bit harder for people to see. I mean, if I would have been 70, 80, 90 years old, it would have been a little bit different. But to see somebody change physically so much like I, like I did, but, you know, but I encourage people with their circle. If it, if it gets down to three people, those three people are with you through thick and thin. Mm -hmm. And God knows that there's some people that are going to be there for a season. And they're going to bring something to that season that nobody else could have brought, yeah. you know. But your testimony, you know, and that's the thing, too. People always ask, well, Todd, you know, you always, for 17 and a half years, you just continuously were putting yourself out there, letting people know what was happening with you physically. Like, why would you do that? And I'm like, because it's the power of the testimony. Yeah. It's the power of the testimony that if God would have taken me home, the testimony would have been, Todd never lost his faith. Like he helped others be encouraged in their faith by the way that he lived his life through Christ. But then I got the miracle. So now it's, how can I keep that to myself? It's, it, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's like if I give you a present and you don't open it up, yeah. what's, there's no meaning to it, mm -hmm. you know? So if I just, you know, if I just say, okay, yeah, I went through 17 and a half years. I got my healing. Great. I just want to go on with life. Mm -hmm. Well, how, how can I do that and not give credit to, to the one who allowed me to walk through that journey, but then mm -hmm. healed me with two, two to six weeks left to live? Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that was what the doctors were saying the night that I was healed. Two to six weeks left, you know, 112 pounds, you know, not barely, barely able to walk, mm -hmm. you know, but... Jesus had other plans, so for me, sharing my story and sharing my testimony, because it's not my story, it's not my testimony, we, we say our testimony, but really we should be saying God's testimony that He's allowing us to tell. To tell. You know? yeah. and, and the thing is, is, with your testimony and your story, God gives each of us one, you know, a story to tell, a testimony to share, mm. but He wants us to tell it. And if we don't tell it, then how are we able to help encourage somebody that's going through something worse than I did? Mm -hmm. and, and where they had left you basically for dead mm -hmm. after all those incidents that had gone on, right. that's, that's a long time. Yeah. And so what really impressed me was you had, I'll let you tell the story of how, if it could have been one year, if it could have been five years, right. I'll let you tell that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just to kind of catch people up, you know, I keep mentioning November 3rd of 2019. We were, my wife and I had been invited to a healing service that actually one of my doctors, Dr. Chauncey Crandall, who was my, car, who, who still is my cardiologist, uh, was doing a tent revival, prayer, healing, time of worship. Mm -hmm. You know, and when I was invited, I'm like, oh, man, I'm just so tired. I just, I just don't know. Like mm -hmm. if I'm physically up, 
for something like that, especially with the crowds. And, mm -hmm. But God said, you're not going for you. You got friends and family that need you to be praying for them and you need to invite them. So I invited like 50 people that night. And so Dr. Crandall shares his testimony and he asked people to come forward that wanted prayer for anything, prayer for healing, prayer for mm -hmm. just broken relationships, whatever it was. And I just stood there and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know that person. Yeah, they need, they got cancer. Yeah, they need healing. Oh, that person, they got a heart issue. Yeah, they need healing. And it was like God put a spotlight on me at some point during that meeting and said, like, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm standing here. I said, there's my friend. I said, there's my friend. He goes, no, 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 Todd. I created this night just for you. Wow. You have to go forward. Mm -hmm. So I told my wife, hey, you know, God's called me to go forward. So I'm walking forward. And at that point, I'm just so weak that I felt myself lifted up. And I thought, oh, I said, some friends are helping me. So when I went to see who was helping me down, there were two women who were eight feet tall that were carrying me to the front. And they literally carried me all through this crowd to the front row. And people with Parkinson's sometimes have hallucinations. So I'm thinking to myself, am I having a hallucination? Like, am I the only person seeing these very tall women? But I had a piece, like I wasn't afraid. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Crandall comes by, he anoints me with oil, which Dr. Crandall's prayed for me for years. But the interesting thing is, as I realized just a few weeks ago that all the years that he had been praying for me was in his office most of the time, I had never been anointed by oil oh. with him. But that night he had a bucket of oil and he prayed over me. And the minute he laid hands on me, my body was just on fire and I thought, okay, I'm either being healed or I'm dying, but I'm good with either one. And I was just at peace and I kept, you know, I kept yeah. looking back and there's these very tall women and I'm like, but I'm at peace. Like it's almost, you know, like I knew they were angels, but I thought, yeah. am, I, am I the only one? And that was, was my question. Am I the only one seeing these angels? But afterwards found out that my wife saw them, like four other people saw them. Oh, that wow. night, so I'm thinking, okay, well, thank goodness I wasn't having a hallucination. Mm -hmm. But they kept, uh, everybody that was coming by to pray for me, they kept saying, he only has months to live. I mean, weeks to live, weeks to live. He can't eat, he can't talk, he can't. And I'm thinking, how do these women know me? Like, how do they know all this? And one of the pastors, Brother Love, who I had never met before that night, he was about to leave and they're like, no, no, no pray over his stomach. So he laid his hands on my stomach. And the minute he took his hand off my stomach, I thought, I, am I hungry? Like, cause I'd had a hunger pain in five years. Wow. So I'm like, am I hungry? So my wife was a few feet away and I said, I think I might be hungry. And she said, what? And I said, yeah, I, I think I'm hungry. And she said, turn your voice down because I had this voice box that I had to wear and in crowds sometimes it would crackle and she's like turn that down she said we're still praying so when I went to turn it off it hadn't been on all night so I literally oh, wow. that night after three and a half years of 
not eating solid foods, five years of having no appetite, I ate a small bite of chicken salad that night, two fries, you know, and, and it's funny how, how stories go because people come up and they're like, I can't believe, believe you ate a cheeseburger, you know, your first meal. And I'm like, where, where did you hear that? You know, and so my wife and I joke, that's why we have to make the documentary. Yes. So the, so the, so the true story gets out and it's, it was nothing, you know, it was nothing that they were trying to make up. It's just like, mm. you know, and I mean, I guess a cheeseburger felt good to them. So they figured that's what I should be eating. But, you know, but I got my, you know, my voice was hoarse for several weeks. But everything just started coming back, you know. A month later, you know, I'm sitting and I'm, and I'm watching college football and God said, I thought you wanted to go running. So a month out, you know, I'm getting this healing. But go back to your, to your question. About a week and a half after my healing, one o'clock in the morning, which, like I said, became God and I's time. I said, God, I have to ask this question. Yeah. You could have healed me. That first diagnosis, you could have said, nope, healing you of that. Fifth year, you could have healed me. Tenth year, you could have healed me. I said, almost 18 years. I do have to ask, why so long? And God, and always in this loving way, said, if I would have healed you that first year, that fifth year, even that tenth year of your journey, all your doctors would have taken credit for it. And when you mentioned that you had a miracle, they would have been, oh, well, yeah, but your doctors had something to do with that. I mean, my doctors had given up on me. My doctors had said, there's nothing else we can do. No surgeries we can do, no treatments we can do. You know, and that was February of 2019. You know, basically, go home, prepare yourself, prepare yourself to die. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was, and what's so crazy about that, that year was my wife and I's 20th wedding anniversary. And I'm like, told my wife, I said, we're not spending my last year in bed or me in hospice or anything like that. I said, what do you want to do? Like if we, if you could go anywhere, where would you, where would you want to go? She goes, I would love to go on a cruise to Alaska. So I'm like, okay. And she goes, well, where, where would you want to go? And I'm like, I've never been on a cruise, but I said, I want to go to Cuba. So in May of that year, we went to Cuba. Didn't tell my doctors that we had left the country. Uh, June, we went to Alaska. And I, I joked with the staff because, you know, when you go on a cruise, most people gain weight. Mm -hmm. I joked that I'm the only person that ever went on a cruise that actually lost weight during a cruise because I couldn't eat any of the food. You know, mm -hmm. so I'm walking around with my bag. And I'm sitting at the table and all these people are like, hey, you don't eat? And I'm like, no, really, I, I don't eat, no. Mm -hmm. um, but what was interesting about that is it just created conversation. Here's this guy, he's got this thing around his neck, you know, he's got this bag, he's got this tube hanging out of his stomach, and it just always brought up. But, but God never took that smile from my face. You know, even during the toughest days, people get sense something's different about that guy. And it's nothing I was doing. We all know, I mean, it was God in me helping me walk out that walk of don't look sick, don't act sick, mm -hmm. you know, but that, you know, and that's why, you know, I always encourage people when God tells you something that you just think is crazy or, oh, that couldn't be of God, mm -hmm. believe that it, you know, 
-hmm. believe that it could be. Yeah. You know, because he can ask us some, you know, some things that he asked me over those 17 and a half years, I thought, well, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. But when I follow through being obedient, going back to yes. being obedient again, it always ended up blessing somebody. You know, and the blessing wasn't always for my wife and I. Most of the time, the blessing was for somebody else. But we got the biggest part of the blessing because we were able to watch lives changed. Because, you know, I had, I, you know, somebody had said to me, you know, Todd, when you first became a Christian and you and you got really serious with your faith, it was like, hey, yeah, you know, you got a great life. You know, you're, you're, you know. You're, you're liked by people, you're, you're, you're this and that. But what happens when all that gets stripped away? You know, and several, you know, people were like, we were always watching you to see if you would become the Todd that we knew like in high school, which mm -hmm. wasn't a terrible person, but wasn't a great person, you know, at the same time. Um, but when they saw me walk through, you know, there's this friend that, we really weren't friends in high school, but he friended me on Facebook, and I'm just like, eh, okay. I knew his, you know, I knew some of his family. Well, this guy is, is one of those Facebook people that just, like, you read their post, and you're like, why? Why am I friends with this person? And, and they're the person that you continuously want to go, I'm going to just delete them. Like, I'm just going to delete them as a friend. Mm -hmm. But every time I would think about doing that, he would write me privately and say, you're the only real Christian that I know. Wow. You're the only one that I see living it out. So I'd go, well, guess I don't delete him today. Mm -hmm. You know, but we just don't know like who we're touching. Mm -hmm. You know, especially when we're going through something like a health issue or a storm in life because we can get consumed by that. Yeah. But for me, I never, you know, the last three years of my life, I never looked at a mirror. I would shave in the dark take a shower in the dark, because I physically didn't want to see. I, it's, God was like protecting me from seeing the person that everybody else saw. Yeah. So what's interesting is during the filming of the documentary, you know, we have to get film, you know, pictures of me when I was a baby, pictures of me when I was sick. And as I'm looking through those, people are like, oh, well, you know, like, how does that make you feel? And I'm like, I never saw myself like this. I always saw myself as the runner you know, and God kept me from seeing myself looking so sick, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it's amazing how, you know, I mean, God didn't have to do that, but he's like, I know that's going to get you through mm -hmm. that mindset of being a runner. And it's, you know, it's crazy because like I said, I hadn't run in years when I started running in 2004, but when I got sick again in 2009 and was just given hours to live, the doctors have always said the reason I survived, which obviously we know why mm -hmm. I survived, but their reasoning is because I was in such good physical condition from running. You know, so when God asks you to do something crazy like going out and running multiple marathons, mm -hmm. maybe he's preparing you for something much bigger than just putting miles on, yeah. you know, and getting in shape. Mm -hmm. Because it was each time you were obedient if you didn't go to that tent revival, right. if you didn't get up and go for your healing, right. it's, it's being obedient and walking it out. Right. And, and, and you know, that's the big thing is 
obedience. And I know like a lot of, especially, you know, when people hear that word obedience, they think, oh, it's a bunch of rules. It's a bunch of this. And it's like, no, it's God saying, there's something I want to do, but I need to know that you're willing to do this little thing. I mean, fasting, I mean, you know, and I, and I think back about that GW a lot. And that night in New York City in that hotel room, if I would have said, you know what, I got this list of restaurants that people recommended, that's more important than following what God's calling me to do is fast. Mm -hmm. God could have still got me through that story, but I just wonder how different the story would have been yeah. without that obedience of following through with fasting. I know he could have still healed me, he could have still, but I just think the journey would have been different. Like I think there would have been always something missing mm -hmm. from it. And so, and you know, like, so for me, it's being obedient to what God's calling you to do. Uh, finding your purpose in whatever life is throwing at you, you know, and staying on mission, mm. you know? I mean, I love working with middle school kids you know, so I continue to do that up until my body just physically couldn't do it, you know. But then God brought other opportunities for me to, you know, do other things that were uh, making a difference for the kingdom, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, we can all be successful. You know, we can be successful business people, we can be successful athletes, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, what are we doing? If what we're doing is just about being successful and not about being significant and, and, and making a real change in somebody's life, mm -hmm. then, then at the end of the day, it's, I mean, hey, you, you've had this success, but what difference did you make in somebody's life? And we all, God every day presents us with opportunities to make a difference in somebody's life. I, you know, I, I remember being in the, uh, treatment it was like a six-hour treatment and God was just like people just kept coming up people kept coming up and part of me was like man I just I, I just like want to close my eyes and God's like those are beautiful interruptions that I'm giving you don't miss out on them. so God's bringing up each of us a beautiful interruption every day it could be oh man I got caught by every light but then you get to work and you find out that the fire alarm got pulled because there was a fire and, and, and you didn't, you know, and you didn't, weren't part of that. But that, but you thought of it as an interruption, you know, or, you know, the cashier that's taking a little longer. And you're like, man, why is the cashier taking so long? But then you find out she's a single mom and all she needs is just a little bit of prayer. Beautiful interruption. And God plants us where we need to be and, and right. protects us. He intercedes. Right. And, and, and we just have to be open, you know, we have to be open to whatever he's calling us, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people that look at my miracle and say, yeah, God doesn't do that stuff anymore. And it's like, you may believe that, mm -hmm. but as Christians, we should believe that God can do anything that he wants to do, you know, and, and when people, sh you know, when people go, well, are you sure it was a miracle? I don't think he does that anymore. 
I always challenge them, go home, go through every scripture, and if there's scripture that says that God doesn't do healings anymore, like if, you know, October 5th of 1895, mm -hmm. it says, I'm not doing any miracles after that, then we'll sit down and we'll find out an explanation for my healing. But I don't think you're going to find that scripture that says yeah. God at some point said miracles don't happen anymore. Yeah. We just got too busy in life to see the miracles. I mean, you mm -hmm. woke up today. I woke up today. Yeah. That's a miracle. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that didn't yeah. have that opportunity today. We're given another day. Right. And what are we going to do with it? Exactly. Are we going to just worry about being successful? Or are we going to worry about having some kind of significance tied to that day? Because mm -hmm. just a kind word of yeah. saying something to somebody. Right. Because we never know what's going through their mind. They could be going to kill themselves or we don't know what they're right. going through. Right. And, you know, and there's, and, you know, as, and as we're moving, you know, last year with pandemic and moving into this year still with it, I mean, there's a lot of hurting people out there. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people haven't been able to go to church because a lot of the churches was closed down. This is, to me, this is the greatest opportunity that mm -hmm. Christians have ever had mm -hmm. to share the faith mm -hmm. because and not just to share the faith but to explore what gifts God's given them you know because some people might go to a church that ah, we don't believe in that gift mm -hmm. we don't believe in that gift and you're going well I guess I, I, I'm not going to explore it because my pastor said that that doesn't happen mm -hmm. or somebody in the church said that doesn't happen but now it's time to explore that gift because when God mm -hmm. gives you a gift, He's going to keep bringing it back, bringing mm -hmm. it back, bringing it back until we go, oh, I guess I do have that gift, but how do I develop it? And maybe that means going to another church. Maybe that means staying at your church but getting in a, a, a study, a fellowship with people who have that same gift and, and, and can help you develop that gift. But right now is the single greatest time, I believe, for Christians around the world, not just in America, but in the world, because people want to hear that there's more to life than mm -hmm. the next paycheck, the next yeah. whatever, the next big TikTok, you know, video, yeah. like whatever it is, people want more. Yeah. And right now, if we don't tell them, I mean, who's going to tell them? Mm -hmm. you know, the church has been dispatched. Right. We're no longer in, in one section. Everywhere we go, we're the hands and feet of Yeshua. Right. And, and we mm -hmm. have to remember that there's no days off for us. Yes. No days off being a Christian. Mm -hmm. You know, even the worst, toughest day of our life, you know. I mean, I remember there used to be, when I used to do treatments, you get on a schedule with people. So a lot of times you see the same people Okay, your schedule. Oh, you're 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 all next month. Oh yeah, me too. So you get mm -hmm. to meet people. I remember GW. There was this older lady, and like when she walked into a room, it was like all the oxygen, all the energy, all got sucked out. And like you could literally see people going, "Please don't sit by me. Please don't sit by me." And I'd always go, "Okay, Jesus, have her sit right by me. Have her sit right by me." You know, because I don't. You know, I didn't know what her background was. I didn't know where she was at in life, but I could tell she was a very unhappy, mm -hmm. bitter person. And I thought, this is a lady that needs encouragement. So I'm not going to pray that she sits somewhere else. Dear Jesus, have her sit right next to me. Mm -hmm. And every time she would sit right next to me. And 
I can't say that she came to know Christ. I can't say that she still wasn't somewhat of a bitter woman, but she was encouraged when she left. She was laughing when she left, mm -hmm. you know, and I may have been the only person that talked to her that day, you know, so God may bring people into our lives that were just like, please don't sit next to me. Please don't sit next to me. You know, it's like when you're on the airplane, mm -hmm. certain people, somebody with a kid, oh, please, oh, please don't, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that single mom, that dad, that grandma with that kid, they might just need somebody to talk to. Mm -hmm. And if we're not willing to do it, we're not willing to go out of our comfort zone, you know, I mean, Jesus didn't live a comfortable life, you know, so why should we think that we're going to live a comfortable life if he didn't. Now he liked, he wants us to be, he wants us to be happy and he wants us to, you know, there's nothing wrong with having nice things and stuff like that. But man, that just can't be, that just can't be our priority. Priority has to be whatever. If God, if God right now in this interview said, Todd, get up and go sell everything you own. Am I willing to do it? Are you willing to do it if he calls you to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and that's a question we have to ask ourselves as Christians. If he calls us to do something that we're very uncomfortable mm -hmm. with or doesn't make sense, are we still going to be obedient in doing it? Or are we going to yes. make an excuse not to do it? Mm -hmm. Because when you're disobedient, that you're, it's bringing on curses. And when you're obedient, it brings on the blessings. Right. And I mean, who, you know, and I don't want the blessings that God had for me to go to somebody else. Yes. You know, not that I don't want them to be blessed, but if that blessing was meant for me, mm -hmm. but God's not going to hold on to it and say, okay, well, I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. God's going to say, man, I'll find somebody else. Yeah. If you won't go run those marathons, I'll go find somebody else that will. Mm -hmm. If you won't talk to that bitter old woman at treatment, I'll find somebody else that will. Mm -hmm. You know, so why would you want to miss out on, you know? Because yeah. a cactus needs love too. Right, right. You know, and... The people that need love the most are usually the people that are very unlovable. Yeah. You know, we all like the person who, man, love that person, love hanging out with them. They're a great, you know, mm -hmm. but then we all have that person in our life, whether it's a family member, whether it's a coworker, a neighbor that we're just like, I, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to talk to them. And Jesus is going, but I, I want you to talk to them. Yes. You know, because you are the only person that they'll listen to if you share the gospel because they're they're watching you and if i'm if i'm ducking those folks mm -hmm. you don't think that they're, they're going to realize hey todd always ducks me and he's he's supposed to be a christian but he didn't talk to me but he talks to this other neighbor who everybody likes mm -hmm. you know so god puts people in our lives you know for a reason i mean everybody that he put in my life for those 17 and a half years of being sick, they all had a purpose. They blessed me, I blessed them, you know, we, we, we grew together, we cried together, we laughed together, but they all had a purpose. Even those that walked away and couldn't, couldn't handle walking the journey anymore, I can still look back and go, well, they taught me a lesson mm -hmm. of some kind. Or, oh yeah, we had a great memory there, a great laugh there. Uh, so everybody that God brings into your life you know, is there for a purpose. And it may be a season, you know, mm -hmm. and that's why I encourage people, don't get upset if that friend that you think, hey, we're, 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 we're best friends, mm -hmm. all of a sudden doesn't call you anymore. You know, 
maybe, there for a reason and a season. Maybe it was for a season, you mm -hmm. know? And yes, it still hurts, Yeah. you know? But, you know, just keep being obedient, keep serving, you know, keep, you know, instead of being worried all the time, man, let's just live and let's just live in, in praise and, you know, and glory because we know the ending to the story, yeah. you know, and those, you know, especially for those that are sick, you know, you're going to walk, you know, walk that journey with purpose, you know, don't, don't become the cancer patient. Don't, don't let somebody identify you, you know? Yes. I mean, like I never, you know, let anybody identify me as the sick guy, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I had many nicknames over the years, but none of them were, oh, that's the sick guy. Yeah. You know, because you would take that label on and that's what, that's you what take you that receive. On and that's what you, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and I've seen many people be diagnosed with something and, and they took that identity on and they didn't last long yeah because it consumed them like for me being in a hospital room god put me there to be a witness to others but i would walk around during those times and you would walk by some people and you say oh how you doing oh you know my test results come back today oh you know and their hope was in that test result yeah. like if that test results great day's a great day mm -hmm. if that test results not good that becomes my identity those numbers, yes. you know, of those tests and those test results, those become their identity. And what that does is that robs the joy. Yeah. You know, that robs you of, uh, of living out that uh, purpose mm -hmm. because you're concerned about, you know, I mean, you're sick, you know. And, and I don't, you know, I, and I don't want people to come across like, oh, you know, Todd, you, you never had a rough day. I had a lot of rough days. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were days that the pain level was beyond anything that pain medicine could take care of. You know, there were days where, I mean, I literally spent most of the day in the bathroom because I was just continuously sick, you know? So I, you know, people always go, oh, you know, you, you always have a smile on your face. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't see me at one o'clock in the morning uh, when I couldn't breathe. Yeah. You know, you didn't see me in ICU hooked up to a bunch of machines, you know? Every, you know, we all go through tough times and I don't ever want someone to look at my story and go, well, I can't, I can't, I can't live up to that. That guy walked through it like it was a breeze. You know, it wasn't a breeze. It's just, I chose the attitude of how can I use the story that God's allowing me to walk through to help others. That's the only difference, you know? And there were days, like I tell people, Guess what? Have a bad day today. Maybe even have a bad few days, but don't have a bad month. Don't have a bad year. Don't have a bad 17 years. Mm -hmm. You know, because you don't have a bad life. Right. Because mm -hmm. you're going to miss out on the blessings. You're going to yeah. miss out on the lessons that God wants to teach you through the circumstances that you're going through. And, you know, and, and I know there's people going through storms that I've never went through. You've never went through. And I don't want to discount, ever discount those. But God's bigger than any of that. God was bigger than every one of my diagnoses. He was, he's bigger than every storm that you went through mm -hmm. in life. Now, at the time, it doesn't seem like it because you're like, okay, God, 
where you at? Mm-hmm. You know, but God is always there, and just know that He's allowing you to walk through something because He needs to teach you something. He needs, you know, He needed me to walk through this journey to bring some family members and some friends a little closer to Jesus. Not all of mm-hmm. them come to know Jesus, but a lot of them walk, are a little bit closer now. Mm-hmm. You know, He's going to use your story. To bring those that don't know Christ maybe a little bit closer and then he'll use somebody else if it's not you or me to close the deal yeah you know but he allows us to go through these storms I mean I I know you've got stories to tell you know and you could have given up you could have said oh life you know life is hard mm-hmm. you know and God's okay when you say that to him that's one of the greatest lessons that I ever learned was one day things were just so bad and I just said, God, this really stinks. And he goes, thanks for being honest. Mm -hmm. Because it freed me from, well, you're a Christian, you can't be sick. You're a Christian, you can't have this, you can't have that. I mean, as you know, I got COVID earlier this year. And I mean, I was getting texts from people as I'm in the COVID floor in critical condition, you know, and I'm looking at my phone because I got nothing else to do because can't have any visitors, can't have anybody come in the room. Mm-hmm. And people are going, you're not allowed to be sick. You're not allowed, you know, you, you were healed. You're not allowed to be sick. That's not from mm-hmm. God. And I said, yes, COVID is not from God, but he's allowing me to walk this because guess what? New nurses that I'd never met, mm-hmm. you know, new doctors, never met, that I was able to share the gospel with, you know? And God doesn't give us any of these things that we go through, health issues, but He can use them to bring glory to Himself by the way that we respond to them. And I always joke with people, I say, have you ever heard of the story of Lazarus? And Oh yeah, he was dead for four days and Jesus brought him out of the grave. I said, yeah, but guess what? If you walk anywhere in the world, you're not going to find Lazarus because he eventually died. Mm-hmm. You know? And just because I got that miracle doesn't mean at some point I'm going to die just like everybody else. I'm going to go through, you know, but, you know, people just, you know, with Christians, and I love, love our brothers and sisters, but sometimes that theology of, you know, we don't have to go through stuff because mm-hmm. we're believers. And I go, have you read about people in the Bible? Like, did you read? You know, about the disciples, they didn't have an easy life. You know, Jesus, perfect, mm-hmm. didn't, here on earth, didn't have an easy life. You know, because he walked through the same things that you and I walked through, the same pains, the same dis, uh, discouraging moments, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. how many people walked away from him? Yeah. You know, and... You know, it was funny, I was with a friend of mine uh, yesterday who's in hospice, and we were reading some scripture, and I said, you know, we were reading scripture where, you know, Jesus is in the garden, and he's going, Father, you know, if you can take this away, mm-hmm. take it away. And I remember a few years ago reading that, and God gave me a revelation of Jesus shared that because he wanted us to know that even 
the Son of God in that moment was like, if you can, he knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. If you can take this away, Father, take it away. But if not, let me walk through it. Yeah. You know, let your will be done. But that just hit me that Jesus wrote those scriptures. So when we're going through stuff and we're just like, I don't want to go through this anymore. Take this cup away. That we can go, oh, well, Jesus, Jesus went through that same of, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, think about it. Jesus was, human, you know, came in human form. He had friends. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to leave his mom. He didn't want to leave his friends, his family, you know, but he knew he had to do what he was called to do, mm -hmm. you know, because if he didn't do it, you and I wouldn't be sitting here yeah. with the joy that we have, with the peace that we have, you know. Mm -hmm. But I just always love when I'm reading scripture, the humanity of, of Jesus. Like, yeah. he gives us so many little nuggets of, yeah, guess what? You're going through that? Oh, guess what? Yeah. Read that scripture there. I, I went through the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, because he, he's relatable. You know, and we, and, and sometimes, especially as believers, we make him, you know, this flowing blonde hair, you know, you know, never, you know, never joked, never did this, but he did. You know, you don't yeah. think that he joked with the disciples as they were walking along and, and, and having dinner, just like we joke with our friends when we're yeah. having dinner. And I think that's what we have to get back to. We have to get back to the fact that Jesus yeah. walked through everything that we did. He experienced everything that we did. So yes, he's Jesus, but he wants us, he wants to always be relatable to us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we put him such on a pedestal that he loses that humanity and he just becomes, it becomes religion. Yes. You know, it becomes a set of rules. And Jesus is like, I didn't come to set rules. Mm -hmm. I came to set you free from all that stuff. But we get caught up with, mm -hmm. you know, we get caught up with that stuff along the way. And, you know, during the last 17 and a half years of that journey, you know, those were the lessons that God taught. Like, yes, guess what? You're suffering, my child. I suffered too. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I didn't suffer the way he did. But every time I felt like, ah, uh, Jesus would go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Read that scripture there. Yeah, I, I went mm -hmm. through that too. You know, and I think we just, if we could get back to that. Because mm -hmm. you know. the religious people are the ones that killed Yeshua. Right, right. And you know. the three things that, that I remember is, is uh, faith, hope, and love. Yeah. And the greatest of these is love. Right. And if we just, if we can just catch that. And we can change, you know, we can change, change the, the world. world. Yeah. Yeah. Right. One, one step at a time, one person at a time. Yeah. One and run at a time. One, one movie at a time. Yeah. Awesome. I want to thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Is there any last words, anything that you feel led to, to tell the audience or just a word for all of us? Yeah, I would just say, you know, uh, the one point that I brought up before is whatever you're going through, whether it's a health issue, a relation issue, financial issue, whatever it might be, and you're praying for a miracle, start living that miracle out today. Start believing in that miracle today. And every day say, okay, today, Jesus, today's the day you do the miracle. Today's the day I see it. 
And I pray that it doesn't take 17 and a half years. But if it does, know that there's purpose behind it. There's lessons behind it. You know, I wouldn't be the man of God that I am today if I didn't go through what I went through with my medical stuff. I wouldn't have the marriage. So God is always going to use whatever He's allowing you to walk through to make you a better person at the end of it. Amen. And that's uh, one of the things that I look at is when you're left for dead, but God is still the, the greatest healer of all. Yep. Awesome. And Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate uh, it. Thank you. I hope this has blessed you. And God is still in control no matter what we say or what we do. And we'll catch you on the next Watch Your Story. Mm -hmm.